Hey guys, I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know that Surewinder is still selling amazing products. Some of you guys have been dragging your feet for whatever reason. If your shoulder hurts, do not waste time. Pull the trigger. I just bought uh, four or five of them and uh, we had two guys out. You know how much it cost me to pay for two guys being out with bad shoulders? We just pulled the trigger and we said, listen, everybody's going to have one on a truck. It's mandatory. You got to use it. Don't hesitate. Don't wait till your guys go down. It's going to cost you more. Buy a Surewinder. It's not every day someone invents something that changes the game. I found out about this product that I'm talking to you about, uh, and I had to try it. So I ordered a few, and after using it, I'm sold. Now we stock them on our trucks. It's called All Brace and it will help you sell more service and buy you time until doors come in. There's never been a greater time for a product like this. Phil has a video on his website of him cutting a door literally in half, installing the all brace and running it like nothing ever happened. It is literally incredible. One of the greatest selling videos I've ever seen. You're gonna wanna check it out at all-brace.com. Hey guys, welcome to Torch Talk Podcast. This is Ryan, your host. And we also have Tamara. Hello. And today we have someone who is, um, I consider a friend, right? Friends? Yeah. I would have been really disappointed if I got shot down on my own podcast. No, not really. Um, so he, uh, he's part of GDU, Garage Door U. Uh, we, we had been chatting, I think, through Facebook is, I guess, how we met. I don't even remember. But uh, he, yeah. I like the way his brain works because he thinks similar to me, but also very different. Uh, he's taught me things over the last couple months um, and kind of opened my eyes to a few things. He's a very intriguing personality, even probably more so than mine, which is very interesting. So this conversation could go crazy wild, uh, but Tamara's here to save the day. And try and keep us on track, which may be one of the more difficult podcasts for her to do that on. But today we're going to be talking about sales with Sebastian from Iconic out of Arizona. What's up, Sebastian? What's up, man? Glad to be here. Glad to have you. I don't know why you waited so long. What took you so long to get on the podcast? I don't know. I just, yeah, I don't know. It's my fault. I I didn't send the official invitation. He did say he likes to be officially invited stuff right was that him no that was jeff um yeah all right so uh listen thank you for coming on the show we really appreciate you uh give you a little bit of background on sebastian sebastian's in a very competitive market for those of you guys don't know the phoenix market uh that whole area is just like it's similar to atlanta but probably has more bigger players then Atlanta has Atlanta's just got like a ton of small players and then a handful of big players. And so he's got a bunch of big players. Uh, it's the home of a one. He's got a, a bunch of other guys. Uh, I imagine your territory is probably a lot like mine. And there's a lot of politics when it comes to uh, manufacturers and who you can buy from and stuff like that as well. No, we buy from everybody and, and everybody's here. Um, there's a few Midwest, uh, garage door builders that aren't here, but no, I mean, there's, um, 
like I see some of the struggles that other people have with getting parts and doors and stuff. And yeah, we just haven't really seen that out here. There's so many, awesome. everybody's here. Everybody's got a base here. That's cool. So, um, so let's start off by talking. I mean, we're going to talk about sales the whole time, but I specifically want to start out talking about door sales and then let's shift our focus towards like service. So yeah. what makes you so good at selling doors? Selling doors. Um, I think that uh, for me, I was good at selling doors. I, I I don't get out and do a lot of door sales anymore, but um, I don't think there's one thing that I do right. And I think that's a lot of like when people like, you know, um, like I hear from guys all the time, they get done and they're like, oh, he well, he said this or, oh, he said, you know, he always gets three estimates or he said whatever. And it's like, you know, and then they talk about what they said afterwards to try to get that sale. And it's like, you know, uh, that wasn't the time to get the sale. The time to get the sale was the 40 minutes before that, you know. And, and so, like, I teach my guys, um, you know, sales is like a hallway uh, full of doors, right? And at the end of the hallway is your sale. And as you're going down that hallway, you're shutting doors that you don't want them to open. Right. And so um, you don't wait till the end to overcome the objection and build the value of your product or sell the pain points. You know, that's all stuff you're doing while you're walking them down the hallway so that when you get down, uh, by the time you get to the end of that hallway, you should have covered all everything uh, from them. You know, you should have covered um, building the value and you should have presented a certain way and answered your phone a certain way and uh, built rapport and things like that. And all those things should have been covered. You should have been answered all their objections, handled all their uh, issues and stuff like that. And then built your value so that when you get down to the end of that sale, you know, maybe an objection comes out, but there's not a bunch of objections, you know, there's maybe one or something like that. And so like for me, um, I've never considered myself a garage door technician. I've been in the garage door industry for I think almost going on like 10 years. And, you know, I've always looked at myself as a sales guy. I'm a salesman that uh, does garage doors. And sales isn't really like a derogatory word for me. Um, you know, a good sales guy is going to, um, uh, you know, walk you through a presentation, make you feel comfortable. And they're going to tell you everything, all the good parts, all the bad parts. You're going to be completely informed and you're going to feel comfortable about your decision. And that's what a good salesman is to me. It's not a, um, you know, arm twisting sales pitch or a, you know, so. Well, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that was like, I mean, you hit on so many things, right? So we can just take yeah, there was a, lot. a little bit of a deep dive into some of those things. You said something that I think is very important, and I, I bring this up a lot, is presentation. And what I mean by presentation is everything from your online presence to how you answer the phone to uh, booking the appointment to the notifications that go to the customer, to the photo that goes to the customer, to uh, how you pull in their driveway, to how you're dressed, to how you look it's them all in the part eye. of the experience. Yeah. yeah. And you walk through the process yeah. with them, make them feel comfortable. All that is presentation that takes investing into making sure that you're doing everything the right way. And uh, I think a lot of guys 
feel like, you know, I, I see all these comments about people complaining about, oh, well, these cheap guys and uh, price and price and price. When in reality, it's like, okay, yes, maybe you're getting beat out on price and maybe it's not your sales skills. Maybe it's your presentation, right? And so if you present well and you have good sales skills, it's usually a recipe for success. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. And I think that a lot of people don't develop those skills enough. You know, I've been doing sales my whole life, 20 years old. I was running sales offices, managing sales guys and training sales guys. And, you know, like if you're just out there focusing on being a garage door technician, you know, you're only focused on 50% of your job because I mean, for me, the hardest part of the job is the customer, you know, the customers, um, they're all over the place sometimes, you know what I mean? And so if you're not focusing on sales and actively learning sales and, and you're not in a sales environment, you know, you should be, or, or maybe it's time to think about switching and um, going to a company that, that does have that kind of uh, environment because you got to get better, you know, and if you're not practicing, you're not getting better. If you're not learning, you're not getting better. Right. What are some of the ways that you encourage your team or you yourself, uh, focus on getting better? Like, what do you do to improve on a regular basis? So, um, you know, when we started this company, we didn't have an office. And one of the biggest things, one of the things that I was most excited about was getting a sales training room. And so I have a sales training room and we have meetings every Monday. And, you know, my guys are all, uh, you know, my, my newest guy has eight years experience. I mean, they don't need a bunch of, you know, training when it comes to fixing a garage door. You know, they've all been door installers for 10, 12 years, but that's just it. They've all been door installers. They haven't been service techs having to sell customers. And so we do a ton of that um, in our training. And I put our numbers up on the board. I mean, and maybe it sounds salesy or whatever, but if you go into my training room, um, I write everybody's numbers up on the board. And then on the bottom, it says like, you know, in orange, it says baller, you know, and if his numbers are written in, in orange, you know, that means like you're killing it, you know, and then on the bottom, it's in purple, it says, you know, Taco Bell is hiring, you know, and if I'm writing your numbers <laughs> in purple, you know, that means like, you know, you're, you're messing stuff up, you know what I mean? Like, if you got a 50% close ratio, you know, I'm writing your shit in purple, you know what I mean? Let's and, talk about but, close ratio. So I love that. I love that because uh, you have a way of being like super blunt, but also having fun at the same time. Like, Hey dude, you suck at your job. I need you to pick it up. Like most people can't say it the way you say it, but you do it. And it sounds like your guys like really have fun with it. And just like, they know your personality and they take it well. You know, that starts with actually caring about your, guys you know you can't pretend to care about your guys you have to genuinely care about your guys and I think I get away with that some of that stuff but these guys have all seen me in the trenches too you know what I mean this isn't like uh, oh hey if you do this you could do this these guys have seen me close higher tickets higher close percentages higher door sales so it's like I lead by example and so when they when I'm telling them to do something it's not like Oh, I think that's going to work. Like they're, they know it's going to work. You know, they, they believe, yeah. you know, and I mean, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm constantly reading sales books, constantly training. What's your favorite sales myself. book? 
You know, uh, one I just read recently is, uh, well, actually, there's there's three I just read that I freaking love. Um, one of them is, um, uh, what's the title of that? It's uh, how to, um, habits, why we do what we do in life and in business. You know, I was trying to make like changes and, and it was really good. And like, I learned a lot about like the, psycho- the, the psychology of different things, you know? Um, and they talked about like, uh, you know, target and, um, and they talked about like, uh, um, you know, how to deal with a customer that's like starts screaming at you and how a lot of people kind of mess that up. And they were teaching like how Starbucks overcomes that, you know, cause they hire a bunch of 17 year old kids that, you know, might not know how to overcome that, you know, and all of a sudden they lose their job. But yeah. Anyway. Um, and then I actually read, um, you know, uh, everything's great on the home front, you know, uh, 20 years married, we're doing great. Um, but I, I picked up a, a book. My friend was reading it. He was struggling with his marriage and he told me about this book, um, uh, love languages. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of reading that one right now. And I thought that was really good. And like yeah. understanding the psychology again about how, what makes people tick, you know, and that's kind of like, I'm on these like psychology books right now. And like what makes people tick? Like I, you know, yeah. yeah. There's some good ones. I love the five love languages. Uh, what's interesting about that is I've learned that your love language can change. Number one, number two, like the book, the book says that you always have a tendency to love people as you like to be loved. But then when you yeah. start to open up your mind to look at like trying to recognize other people's love languages, then you start to recognize, oh, hey, they're not feeling as loved as I want them to feel because I'm trying to love them my way, not the way they want to be loved. There's like five, right? You got acts of service, touch, uh, words of affirmation. Uh, gift giving. Gift giving. And time and service. Time. Yeah. 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 Quality time. Yeah. Quality time. Uh, so my wife. Yeah, I, I learned a bit about my wife too. Yeah. So my wife is quality time for sure. That's like her number one thing. And that's probably the thing I'm worst at, right? Is because I'm, I work a lot and I'm, you know, running around with the kids and uh, I'm taking one kid one place and she's taking them another place. So you have that, which is a, a big challenge, which I have to do a really good job of finding time and setting aside time which we just signed up for a gym together and we're going to start working out during the day, uh, which is really exciting. Uh, nice. And then um, her others is probably acts of service. I think she really likes it when I come home and like take the trash out and do the dishes. Um, it makes her feel, even though that's like, you know, we have a debate on like who's what responsibilities and jobs and stuff, but um I think she appreciates it when I chip in as much as I can at home. Uh, so, but, but those, those same principles can be applied, like you said, in sales, right? Trying to recognize people's personalities, uh, characteristics, and then adjusting your sales strategy uh, to those people. For sure. So, a, like, for sure. Oh, well, I was going to ask a question. Is that okay? Right, yeah. All right. So, um, one, I was really excited when you came on, Sebastian, because in some of the other groups, a conversation came up uh, the other day about several of the guys who have been techs 
um, and grown into business owners, uh, they are really, really uncomfortable with selling still because they feel like they're this, they're just there to do whatever the customer asked them to do and nothing else. And so they're struggling with teaching their techs how to sell. Um, and I was trying to like, I knew that you would be a good person to kind of give them some advice on that because I think your perspective on that whole situation is really unique. So do you have anything that maybe you could say to them? Yeah, get uncomfortable. Um, so I, I started like 20 years old, right? We're doing door-to-door -door sales, selling meat out of the back of a truck, right? Yep. And the first guy that trained me, he just went to like the dirtiest places in the world, right? Like, I mean, it was just like, dude, these people don't have any money. And he's like, don't worry, they got food stamps. You know what I mean? We're good. We're selling food, right? So I'm like, all right, you know? And, and so like, I kind of started out like that. And that's what I liked selling because I was comfortable, right? And then I started riding, riding with this other guy and all he ever liked working was businesses. So here we are, we're walking into like a dentist office and I would literally just take control of the whole room, right? Like, I don't want to pitch the front desk lady. Her job is to keep me out of there. I want to talk so loud that the dentist performing a surgery in the back can hear me. You know what I'm saying? And so, I, and I would, and I would just, and then all of a sudden the front lady's like, you know, she's trying to shut me up, you know what I mean? And get me to leave, you know, but the dentist in the back's like, what do you got? you know, and, and boom, it worked, right, and then so, like, you know, I'm walking into, like, um, a hair salon, those always kind of made me uncomfortable, uh, but I did it, right, so, like, imagine you walk into a hair salon, there's 20 beautiful women everywhere, and you got to take control of that room, you know what I mean, and then, um, so then I started riding with this other guy, and he's like, why don't we go hit skyscrapers, and I'm like, could we sell me a back truck, like, what are you talking about, skyscrapers, and he's like, yeah, bro, He's like, we're just going to go to the top of this skyscraper and, and we'll be sold out by the time we hit the bottom. I'm like, all right, let's do it, you know? And I did it, you know? And so it's like, you just got to make yourself, like, if you're uncomfortable, it's because you're growing. Um, you know, I, like I took this guy and um, all he ever liked doing was work in the hood. And he felt like he could never leave the hood, you know? And I'm like, you know, let me ask you something. You know, he was my assistant manager. He got paid like 800 bucks a week just for being assistant manager. And then, you know, he would go out and, I mean, easily make 200 bucks, 300 bucks a day, you know, selling me out of back the truck, right? And so I'm like, but then at the end of the month, he wouldn't make any money. So, like, I, I just challenged him. I says, dude, just, you know, th there's no money down there. You know, you can't go to the hood at the end of the month. There's no money, you know, like, you need to just go work like some nice neighborhoods. And I took them down to the beach and all we did for a week was knock on like $20 million homes on the beach. And he was so uncomfortable, but he got him out of his shell and he realized like, you know, I can do this and there, I can't talk to other types of people, you know? So he was, uh, he was black and he felt like he couldn't go outside of black neighborhoods. And I'm like, no, nah, bro, that's all in your head. That's head garbage that you need to get out of your head. You know what I mean? And so I took him out to like the richest freaking white neighborhood there was down on the beach, you know, and made him, I was like, this is where we're working all week. So figure <laughs> it out, you know, and, and he did, he just, he sold, you know, I mean, you got to get and, yourself in uncomfortable situations, you know? Yeah. And also like what I'm hearing you, 
exactly so but you never know like what like who needs what right you're 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 basically if you're not offering options to the customer you're shutting yourself you're making the decision for them right yeah and i mean think about like if you're uncomfortable you know you've done this a million times you know how many times have as the customer stood in the garage and done a garage door note negotiation you know what i mean he's done it one time you know like you're experienced you've done this you know I mean, you should not feel, you got to, you know, I used to be shy. I would have never done this when I was like 20. I have I a real hard time shy. believing that. Right. <laughs> I'm serious. My trainer, he's like, dude, you need to stop being so nice. He's like, you need to stop being so nice to everybody. And he's like, and you need to get after it. Like, he's like, you need to forget this shy thing. You ain't going to make any money. And like, I cussed the next person out and he's like, whoa, bro. Whoa. <laughs> Dial it back. You know? <laughs> I was like, all right, that, that somewhere in the middle, it. somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it was like <laughs> happy ground here. So, I mean, so let's talk if about you're shy. You got to find a way to come overcome that, you know. Yeah, yeah. your paycheck will, will go help. to bars. Go to bars and find the hottest chick in the bar, and just talk, and you got to be sober too. You can't get all drunk and do it. Go to bars, find the hottest chick there. And just start talking to her and do that for like a week. You'll, you'll be done. If you're married, we do not suggest this process of training. Please do not your wife. Do and use him or torsion talk as an excuse for going to the bar and talking to hot chicks. All right. So I want to shift gears just a little bit. And I want to talk about the difference between selling wants and needs. Um, I think a lot of times I hear, people talk about, oh, well, they didn't need that or, you know, whatever. And so I know I've said on the podcast before that I'm a wants buyer. Like I want to know what, you know, tell me what I need and tell me what I might want. I'm going to be more frustrated if I find out afterwards I wasn't offered something that I could have gotten and I bought the cheap option, but it didn't have Wi-Fi on the opener or it wasn't insulated or whatever. So those things, um, Wants are important to me, and so I've always made sure that I offered uh, like a pretty extensive group of offerings. Talk a little bit about uh, the difference between wants and needs, and how you train your team on the on selling wants and needs. Okay, so um, there's a good book too if you want to grab it. It's called uh, The Contractor's Blueprint. You can read it in a day. Uh, and I stole this from him, and and I just. I mean, I feel like he just had a better way of explaining it and it was simpler, right? But he started talking about jeans, right? You got customers that are only going to buy a $20 pair of jeans from Kmart. You got customers um, that would never buy a $20 pair of jeans at Kmart. Um, they're going to buy it at, at the mall for a hundred bucks. And then you got people like my wife who like uh, these high-end retail stores like have her phone number and they call her. And it's the same $20 pair. It's the same pair of jeans, but they're like $800, you know, but they come with this incredible level of service. Like, I don't know if they put the pants on for her while she's looking at them or what, but they're literally $800, right? And if there was the same pair of jeans, my wife would never buy them at Kmart just because it was Kmart. Like, it's not happening. And so if you're just going out and you're pitching $20 jeans to everybody, you're missing tons of people that are never going to buy that and if you're out there pitching $800 jeans to everybody you're missing a ton of people that are never going to buy $800 pair of jeans and so you know uh look around you um there's a million cars 
there's a million things out there that nobody needed, right? Like we need air, water, food. That's about it. That's about all you need, you know. But I drive a I drive an eighty thousand dollar truck. I didn't need that. I definitely didn't need the three thousand dollar warranty that came with it. You know, it's a brand new truck. You do you need a warranty on that? No. You know what I mean? But I wanted it. You know, if you look at like the interior of some of these cars, right? You can find the same interior for like twenty thousand dollars, but it's got a different emblem on it, you know. You didn't need that car. And so yeah, I mean when we pitch, um, you should be pitching uh, so that you're honest and ethical. You should always pitch the bare minimum to get the job done. Um, and then you should be looking at what might fail in the next two years. That's your second option. Option three might be what might fail in the next five years. Option four might be um, upgrades that they could get that they probably didn't know about or think about. And then option five should be uh, complete top of the line, um, get everything brand new and top of the line. And so you should be going in there offering uh, several options to your customers. Um, I do think that you should offer the bare minimum. Now, now you've covered the guy that wants the $20 jeans. You should offer two, three in the middle. And then you should offer this one that's like completely over the top that has like, you know, stealth hardware and the baddest opener and a lifetime overhaul and you're fixing a ton of parts and just do it in a way um, where you, you weren't, you know, um, dishonest with the guy. Don't go in there and say he needs all this stuff. Just say, hey, you know, I get a lot of people, you know, people are steeple. They like that phrase. I get a lot of people who really enjoy this package right here. I can do this for you. Um, and this is what it's going to look like and make it about them. Tell them a story, tell a story about them that, you know, you're not going to have the hassle of having to fix this again down the road. You're not going to have days where you're stuck in the garage. You know, I'm going to do this complete overhaul, sign you up for this membership, blah, 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 whatever it is, your pet, your biggest package, right? That's what you're, um, and again, uh, a lot of that stuff's covered under that, that book I mentioned. So. Do you have designated salespeople for new doors or do you, um, use your service people for that? I use some of my service people for that, but I very much want a designated salesperson. I just haven't gotten that yet. I do want that though. And I want to get their truck all set up where that's all they do. I think my sales guys do a really good job of doing it, but they don't have all the samples in their trucks and stuff like that, where if I had a desk, I think we could do a better presentation if we had one person doing it. How important do you think samples are in the sales process for a new door? Um, somebody who's shopping for an upgraded look, I think is important. I think that um, I do think that's important. I think somebody who's like just getting a new door because their HOA told them they need a new door, not so important. But when you're going into somebody who, um, you know, maybe is buying a wood grain looking door or something like that, I think they do like that. I think it is important. Consistency in everything, including price, reliability, quality. Not just quality, but great quality control. These are things that describe Somer USA. Somer's not some startup company, not one that you need to be worried about going out of business in the near future. Somer's a two, Somer and their family of businesses are $200 million companies. 
They're in over 100 countries, and they have locations in 20 countries. This is a large organization who stands behind their product and works through integrity. And there's not another company out there willing to drop what they're doing and help you out like Somer. These guys are awesome. Not only have they been loyal to the Torsion Talk podcast, they've been loyal to the technicians and the owners of the companies who install their product. In my opinion, if you're not at least offering Somer as an additional option, you're cheating yourself. Listen, first-time dealers, I've got a special for you. If you buy 10 or more Somers between now and the end of the season six, while supplies last, we will offer you free shipping. You have no more excuses. The prices are great. The product is amazing. Go check out Somer USA and order 10 for free shipping. I'm going to tell you guys a marketing secret. You want to gain more social media likes, shares, and follows? People love unique and cool projects. There are no better photos to share than the ones on Schweiss Doors social accounts. These guys post some incredible things. Make sure to go there and like and share their Facebook and Instagram post with your business account. So if you like their business account, you can share their uh, their post. The Bifold Doors are awesome, and they're doing some great projects that will go viral on social media if you share them. Go right now to Schweiss Door on Facebook and check out some of the projects they share and like their page. Oh, and don't forget, no one builds a better Bifold than Schweiss. People want to touch it, feel it. You know, like how many times have you gone to a car dealership? Take something from car dealerships. You don't go to the car dealership and they sit you down. You know, part of building value is let them touch it, feel it, smell it. Walk around. You know? Yeah. Yeah, they want you to open up all the doors, the trunk, the hood, show the crumple zones, the breakaway, the uh, everything. Interior, have them sit inside, have them sit in the back have them get in the trunk, like whatever you can do. Right. Like, uh, that, that was what the way we were trained in automotive was, you know, do, do what we call a walk around. And we practiced a walk around every single week in the mornings. We had, uh, once a week we had sales training, like what you guys do. And, and we would break into groups and do a walk around and whoever had the best walk around ended up getting like a steak lunch or something that day. And, uh, and that was fun. We had a good time with it. Right. And then like we, if people messed up, we'd bust their chops and, you know, make fun of them and whatever else it was, it was a good time. For sure. So when I carried samples, I would carry like a Pandor and then I'd carry a three layer and I would just, especially with customers with like 18 foot openings, I would say, you know, Hey, here, look how flexible and flimsy this door is, and it's only two foot wide. You hold it. Feel that? Yeah. Okay, here. Let me grab that one from you. Hold that one. Flex that one for me. And it's all of a sudden, you know, it's that guy in Napoleon Dynamite trying to tear the, the uh, plastic container. Um, and and, and they, they can't bend it, right? It's not, not flexible. And so you say, hey, listen, uh, you know, it's not only about insulation. It's about quality. It's about quiet. It's about, uh, you know, if it's flimsy, is it more likely to fall on your car? Probably. 
then if it's, you know, solid across, uh, we're going to support it with struts, things like that. Um, and so, I, and I would say, hey, knock on this one and knock on this one. You know, clank, 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 boom, boom, boom. There's a difference in the sound and you give people that experience and they're like, oh, well, nobody else brought samples out. This is very interesting. Uh, you know, we were wanting the cheap door and now we kind of like this one better. And so uh, when you're when you're talking about quality, that's a great way to do it. And I, I spent a lot of time with that. Um, we also had a customer who had concerns about dents. We used to get, you know, when I was selling doors questions about, hey, we got a basketball goal. Do I need to worry about this door dinning really easy or whatever? So I would take a basketball. I would take a bat. I would say, get a basketball. Let's lean the sample up against the house and let's peg it, you know? And I, I, me and a wife were outside pegging. Like we had gone way beyond figuring out if it would work at this point. We were just having fun. The husband comes out. He's like, what is going on? She's like, honey, throw this ball, this door sample. And we're like just chunking it at it. And it, it didn't do anything, right? It was great. And so, uh, but it may, you know, it's like an experience. I always talk about selling the experience. Can you talk a little bit yeah. about the difference between selling products and services and selling an experience and what, what difference that makes for you? So I like to go to, um, I had a lot of good mentors in my life. Um, and one of them, I didn't get to learn a ton from this guy, but uh, something that he really taught me um, that really hit home um, was this guy, Mark Johnson. He's very successful on a big, uh, siding company, solar companies on several big companies is just um, somebody I look up to, but um, he taught me about um, uh, psychological reciprocity. And like the, uh, the first time he, he talked to me, like I couldn't even pronounce it. Right. I'm like psychological reciprocity. What the f did he just say? <laughs> and uh, I'll stand that, that one. You know, camera. I'm going to have to edit that out. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put some money in the jar. There. <laughs> um, and it was about, um, if you think about it, right, it's psychological reciprocity. So gift giving, mental gift giving, right? So think about like, um, a, you know, a simple example is like um, um, my neighbor uh, moved in a couple months before Christmas and the week before Christmas, I didn't really know him. Um, they came over and they brought me um, brownies, you know, and I go inside. I'm like, babe, look what the neighbors just give us, you know, like, did we get them something? You know, like, of course, we didn't get them something. It wasn't like on my mind. I'm like, you need to get them something. And my wife's like, I think she likes wine. I'm like, get a bottle of wine. You know, we got to give them something back. And people are like that. When you give somebody something, they want to return it. And so it's like, there's so many times going back to what I said in the beginning about how like you get done with the sale and you didn't get it and you're focused on that end result of you not getting it or what could I have said different? You know, you need to go back to the beginning. And so like the experience that you want to create, and I think a lot of guys have problems with rapport building um, or they don't even know what it means. You know, they think like, okay, if the guy's into hunting and I'm into hunting, we're going to have this great conversation about hunting. And yeah, that's super easy to get that guy. But what about grandma who's not into hunting, you know, or somebody that you don't connect with, you know, your hobbies don't align or whatever, right? And so it's like, um, there's little things that you can do. Like, you know, when I call, uh, when I call, I'm asking them if they want to buy, if they want me to uh, grab them something from the gas station. Hey guys, I'm on my way. 
my name's Sebastian. Um, can I grab you guys something from the gas station? I was going to stop and grab a drink. Do you guys want a Coke or Sprite or bottle of water or something like that, right? Like, imagine if that guy actually said yes. Thank God, right? So now for $2, right, what does he want to do in return? He wants to give back, right? I wish he would say yes. No, they never say yes. Like, every once in a while, they might say yes. And I'm going to stop. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to say, what kind of bottle of water? What kind of Coke do you want? You want a can? You want a fountain drink? You want a 20-ounce bottle? You want a two-liter? Like, you know, I mean, you want to see if they got gallon jugs, you know? Like, what do you want, Right. And then I'm asking him things like, you know, where, when I get there, where would you like me to park? Right. Um, obviously I'm not going to park in the driveway if they tell me to park in the driveway. Um, when I get out, um, I look good. I ask to come inside. I don't just assume I can come walk in their door and go to their garage or whatever. Um, when I sit down with the guy, um, I try to get to the table, especially on door estimates, right? You want to get to a table outside. You're a pest inside. You're a guest. If I can get inside, if they offer me a drink, I'm going to say yes, take the drink. Um, little things like eye contact, uh, matching their uh, tone, matching the speed in which they talk. Um, I can tell you this. I learned this from uh, selling solar systems. We were selling $40,000, $50,000 solar systems. If the wife sits here and I sit here and the husband sits here and I'm between the husband and the wife, the husband isn't listening to a thing I say. Oh, the husband's not going to listen to a thing I say the whole time. He's just going to think about like, is this guy looking at my wife? Like never go. I never go between the husband and the wife, you know? I mean, there's so much that goes into like a sale and the presentation that probably most people don't think about, but the good guys do. Um, unfortunately, the people that don't think about probably aren't listening to this because um, they don't they're not out trying to better themselves, you know, but for you that are, hopefully you gain something from this, but, um, you know, and then I, I, I work on my presentation. Like, uh, we just started doing, uh, menus and brochures. Um, we bring a letter from me. Um, so our guys bring this whole folder. It's got information about the openers. It's got information about, um, our, uh, extra warranties they can buy. It's got kind of information about like, you know, when we build a door, we do upgraded hardware, nylon rollers. So there's information in there. There's information about the installer and the tech and the experience. And so, you know, just to be able to leave that and show them and have something more than just like, you know, I guarantee you probably half the guys show up and they're just showing them pictures on their phone of doors, right? Like that's horrible. Like our guys have like a whole folder of doors and then we're leaving stuff behind with them. Um, we're training guys on, um, you know, like, so, um, you know, I had a good one the other day. I was out there. This older guy was like, you know, we always get three quotes. Um, a lot of people's uh, go-to after that is start telling them how good you are and why you, they should choose you, right? And they're going for that sale. Um and that's not the right thing to do. Going back to psychological reciprocity, this is the art of pulling instead of pushing. You know, if you start objecting and trying to overcome that objection, um, then he's going to get defensive. You're going to see his arms crossed because you just basically said, that's stupid. You need to go with me, right? What you should have done is said, that's, that's so smart. You know, I, it took me and my wife years to learn to do that. You know what I mean? And we always do that. It's 
it's that's super smart. And then I would just change the subject. So I started talking to him about whatever. Next thing you know, I'm in the living room and this guy used to race cars. He was a dirt track racer. And I started talking about Trent, how my installer guy is a dirt track racer, right? I was like, oh, that's just cool. I said, you're going to love Trent. Trent's a dirt track. He races dirt track, you know? And next thing you know, the guy's like, you know what? I like you, right? Because I sit there and let him show his feathers, you know? He was a peacock. He wanted to show me his um, pretty feathers, you know? He took me in and, and showed me all his trophies and the pictures of his cars, you know? And uh, I let him do that. And then next thing you know, boom, he's fine. But had I just get went from, sorry, man, I, I get you want to buy, you want to shop three competitors, but let me tell you something. This guy's going to sell you this. this. I know everybody in town. He's going to do this. He's going to do this. We're the best. Here's our prize. Trust me, you want to go for me, right? Wrong, right? You're going to, and you'll, you'll hear in like good salespeople, like when somebody asks a question or, or comes up with an objection, right? Um, tell them, I'm so glad you brought that up. That I'm, Thank you for bringing that up. That's a really good objection, you know? Or that's a really good, you know, I'm, that's a really good question. I'm glad you brought that up. And if you, let's say like the customer was wrong, right? Like they're, they they said something that just simply wasn't true, right? If you just go, no, 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 that's not how it is, you know? You're going to watch, and a lot of times it's the women, right? No offense, man. <laughs> uh, but you'll see her arms fold. You'll see her body language close up, right? What you should have done first was, Yes, that's really smart. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you for bringing that up. Right now, you just, you know, you just, you know, you, it, it's gift giving. It's you, you told her good job and, and she's right. She's smart, stuff like that. Right now, they're going to listen to you. Now, they're going to hear what you have to say. If you don't do that beforehand, they didn't hear you. They're just like, this guy. You know what I mean? You don't do a lot of editing. Sorry about that. Three. Three. All right. So let's talk about uh, you talk about overcoming objections. I always believe that um, when I'm training new salespeople, one of the, they're afraid of the objection. So they avoid it, which I tell them is like the worst possible thing ever because you can't overcome objections you don't know exist. Right. So if you're trying to avoid that, you're basically screwing yourself. That's my opinion. I believe pull the objections out, get them out there. So you can at least have a conversation and then, uh, you know, ultimately try to close. How, how often do you try to close on site versus leaving and following up? So in the service world, uh, go for the throat. Whatever they tell you, it's an excuse. Uh, when it comes to service, you're not coming back 95% of the time. Door sales, though, I think are different. Um, door sales, I do think that a softer approach works better um, as long as you have really good follow-up. There's a lot of guys that just go out and they leave it up to the customer um, to uh, to figure out the next step, right? So, like, um, if I'm not going to close the sale that day, what I am going to do is close the next step. So I'm not going to leave a customer with, like, um, okay, let us know. Give us a call, right? That's not right. You should be um, setting the next stage. So, okay, so I understand that you want to get three estimates. When do you guys think you'll be done with that? Great. Uh, 
Do you mind if I follow up with you next Thursday? Awesome. What's a good time for you next Thursday? Two o'clock, four o'clock, six o'clock. Let me call you first thing in the morning. And I'll set that, that appointment with them to follow up. I don't just leave it open. Um, but yeah, I do think that, uh, I do think with door sales, you got to have a little bit softer approach with people. I think when you go for the throat with a door sale, a lot of times you can lose them. Um, I do think it's a little more of a relationship, especially on a customer that's trying to um, maybe if prices and everything, like if prices, everything, it's probably a one day close, but if prices and everything, they're shopping, they're looking for different styles. They're probably looking for somebody to come in and guide them to not just come in and go, well, what kind of door are you thinking? What do you like to come in and go, I've done a couple houses similar to this. And this looks amazing. Let me show you this. And maybe show them something they weren't thinking about, stuff like that. I think you get a lot farther with people like that. But, yeah, I will follow up with people on door sales. Service, though, I go for the throat. All right. So let's talk about service. And uh, what what is your process on, you know, selling service, the diagnostic? Like, what do you guys do? Can you walk us through once you arrive to the house? what you like, how you do it and what it works for you. What are some things that you guys have done that haven't worked? Okay. So, um, I've done a lot that hasn't worked. I mean, that's how you learn, right? That's a long list. Um, what I like to teach guys to do is, um, I go in and, um, I don't start talking to them uh, because I don't have the whole big picture, right? A lot of times it's like you want to just start showing off your knowledge and um, you're actually putting the customer in control because the customer is asking questions instead of you asking questions. It's like a job interview, right? If I sit there and just let him ask me a billion questions, right? I'm not in control. The, the, the new guy sitting across my desk is in control, right? Uh, same thing with a customer. If they're sitting there asking you a million questions and you're trying to like wow them with your knowledge, right? They are in control, not you. Um, so I like to get my inspection done first. Um, obviously, I'm not going to like make that an argument. If the guy's like, no, dude, I just want this, then I might, you know, then I might do that or just how about give me two seconds. Let me just check a couple of real important things, you know, and I might let him get away with that. But for most people, they're fine with just letting me do, you know, I'm not going to start talking about uh, prices on spring. So when we show up to the house, uh, several things are done. One, I've already had a rapport building call with them. So we're not going to get into pricing over the phone with them, but I'll start asking them what's going on with their garage door. And, and a lot of times what I'm after is just that, like, don't worry about it. Uh, when we get out there, we're going to take care of it for you. Um, and and we'll, we'll, we'll help. Um, I've offered them, something to drink, right? So I've already kind of built some rapport with them. Um, my truck looks amazing. I look amazing. Um, I parked where they asked me to park. Um, I don't get out lollygag, right? When you pull up in front of the house, now's not the time to like tighten your belt, put your shirt on, right? Um, if you're five minutes late, you, you should act like, you know, you should almost be not quite running, like let's not freak like people out, you know? Show some urgency. Yeah. Even though, yeah, you know, the job was booked 12 to two, but at the end of the day, like a guy like me, 
I'm going to judge you, right? And if it's 12.05 when you show up, like, I'm already judging you a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you got seconds to make a good first impression. People are visual. They're going to judge you uh, based on the way you look. Um, I like to tell people to, like, um, Ryan, do me a favor, right? Let's say you got all your Bitcoins, right? You cashed out your metaverse, okay? And you're about to invest it all with somebody, right? Mm-hmm. What What does that person look like? Describe them for me. All your money get invested with somebody. Uh, he looks clean cut, well-groomed, confident, looks me in my eyes, uh, but also humble and um, takes an approach of uh, they're not rushing. Uh, they're, they're informative and yeah, they're just taking their time, confident, humble. People buy up. They don't buy down. When you walk in and the guy's like, thinks he knows everything and you're trying to tell him, no, it's not the opener that's broke. It's the springs that broke. Right. If he's not viewing you as the expert, he's not buying because people buy up. So for me, if you've got somebody and maybe a $500 spring repair job isn't a big deal to you, but maybe it is to them. Right. Um, Or maybe they've had a ton of bad experiences with garage door guys in the past. Right. You need to be out there to change that. And you need to present yourself and talk and stuff in a manner where people feel um, like they trust you and that, that you're going to do a good job for them. And and you're, and you're there as a professional and you're the expert. Right. And so um, for me, like, I I like to look a certain way, you know, Um, when we were selling meat, um, I used to roll around with this dude, Sammy, and he dressed like a total cowboy. Right. And then he came over to my house one day and he had like baggy pants on with like a hustler hat. And I'm like, dude, what the f- is going on here, right? He's like, oh, I just dress like that. I just dress like that um, when I'm at work. I'll, he's like, that's not me at all. I'm like, you know, and so he plays that role, right? And and you should too. I mean, if you're showing up and your pants and your hands are dirty and your hair is not combed and you don't have company clothes on, your truck looks like crap. I mean, those are all really simple things that you can do um, to really improve your 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 closing percentage and, and your trust and stuff with your customers, right? So anyway, so we look the part, uh, people buy up, I want to look professional, smile, eye contact, I'm going to ask them if I can come inside their garage. Once I get inside the garage, though, now's the time to get the bigger picture, right? Um Say I'm competing with somebody for springs, but I noticed that X, Y, and Z needs adjusted and there's simple labor charges, right? I could maybe throw that stuff in or make kind of a big deal about those things and, and act like I'm doing them for next to nothing. And now all of a sudden I'm getting that spring job because I see the big picture, right? So when I walk in, I'm doing a very thorough safety inspection. I'm not out there to answer all their questions and stuff, but that'll come but it's not right now. Right now I want to just do a very thorough safety inspection. And then the first thing you want to do is kind of handle what they called you for, right? I don't feel like you uh, should start pitching big overhauls and things like that right away. I think you should close um, what they called you for and then tell them, say, you know, I'll give you some options 
on on doing some other things. So if like let's say I'm walking in and they got a broken spring job, um, you know, um, I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna give them like the uh, maybe an overhaul uh, price, a spring job price, an overhaul price. Um, but then um, I'm not going after like the huge ticket yet with like the stealth hardware kit and the uh, you know like there's probably two two more options. I'm still gonna pitch them, but I'm only going to maybe do one or two in the beginning and then kind of like that hallway, right? Um, we've all had that nightmare customer where you get done with the spring job and the opener's not working mm-hmm. and he's like, you fixed the wrong thing, right? So we don't want the customer to open that door. So I'm going to close that door before he ever gets a chance to open it. And Hey, by the way, I can't fully inspect the opener. It seems to be working. Once I get your springs done, then I'll fully inspect that. And so I'm also closing doors and then go to work. That's good. And same thing, like, I mean, that, that's how it probably should be done. Honestly, we do, we do that for door out of track because I mean, obviously you can't diagnose a motor or a door while it's, you know, only three rollers are in it. So um, I like, I like that approach a lot, even with spring changes, because you're sitting there like you, you got no shot at the motor unless the customer was already thinking about it really. Right. And most likely if the spring broke, you don't know how long they've been running it with this broken spring so you could have damage to the the gear or the sprocket depending on type of motor it is uh maybe it's the trolley you can look at the gear you can look at the gear you could even pull the red cord and run that trolley back and forth and then there's going to be that time where even though you did that once you get weight on it and once you got a door a balanced door hooked up to it it's not working and most of the time you're fine. And then every once in a while you get that guy that's like, you fixed the wrong thing. Yeah. Or the force is all the way up and if you turn it down, it doesn't work. So, yeah. 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 So how, how easy is it or like, does it make for a bad experience for the customer for you to sell one service and then afterwards talk to them about additional services? Is that uncomfortable? Does it flow well? And has that been uh, well received? So I think you get to a point where you're going to start getting bad service and bad customer service. If you're asking them for money, um, I try to only ask for money twice. Um, I think once you start asking for money three, four times, people start feeling like you're either not being upfront with them or you didn't do your job and or this is never going to end right like are you ever going to leave and stop asking me for money right um so yeah i will go in usually and a lot of times um it's like say on again on like a broken spring i'm going to go in and i'm going to say okay springs are this much you know when's the last time you guys replaced your rollers oh we haven't done it a long time when's the last time you serviced the door would you guys like to go ahead and service the door or would you like to do our membership um, and get your rollers changed and your door service today? And so now I'm, I'm, I'm at, you know, I've given them, you know, the basic, I've given them a, maybe a small option. And then I'd probably also offer just a complete overhaul. Hey guys, you know, we do a complete overhaul. Most of these parts are the same age as your uh, broken spring. I couldn't tell you if they all, need to get replaced but if you guys want to go ahead and put everything under warranty today i can go ahead and fix this 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 this, this. 
um, and now everything's under warranty um, from us. And we offer this warranty, and we also offer this lifetime warranty, uh, meaning you know you would only pay a labor charge in the future. You never buy any of these parts again. I I own these parts, you know. Um, and so there's like a couple options, and then once they pick one, um, then I might start taking the door apart. I mean, you can't tell bearings are bad till you take that thing apart. If their bearings are bad, I might revisit that overhaul again or just offer them bearings again. Then when I'm done, I'm running the opener. And then at this point, you know, some of the packages that we sell are really just an upgraded warranty. So when I'm done, I'll get done and show them everything we did, build the value again, uh, post-close, and then um, ask for like an upgraded warranty too. Um, so I might ask, you know, the package might be the same thing they just bought, but it's just a bigger warranty you know, and I might ask again, but I try not to ask more than like two or three times. Nice. So uh, anything, Tamara, that you can think of that would be helpful to add or ask and ask already? Oh, I think you're muted. Sorry, muted. I muted myself because I didn't want to like cough on camera again. Um, no, I think I love your perspective, Sebastian, and I'm so like super thrilled. I love hearing your stories and you're just delightful. It's fantastic. <laughs> so uh, I think this was very helpful. I just, uh, I got to thinking like, I've got two dedicated salespeople. That's all they do is sell doors. And there's, you know, I can't always be there for them. And, you know, I'm constantly like giving out information, whether it's talking to them or other door companies. So I started a group called um, Garage Door Sales Strategies and Techniques. And this is going to be like on the technical side, as well as like the sales side, um, you know, hey, I got this size door, what would you guys sell? Or, you know, hey, uh, what radius should I go with for this? And we can all kind of chip in. I think it'd be a good learning experience. And if you have uh, people who sell doors and, and maybe struggle with that uh, or could, could assist, uh, I think it'd be a great resource for the guys in the field that are selling or girls uh, who are out there selling doors. So it'd be, uh, you know, invite them to the group. You can join. It is a private, so you'll have to request invitation. I'm going to only let door people in. So uh, make sure that you join. I'll probably put up some questions. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I think it'll be a great resource for you, your company, your staff uh, to just bounce bounce questions off of. Sebastian, I think you, you joined, if, if I'm not mistaken already, and uh, I'll try to be active in there as well. Um, anything you'd like to add, Sebastian, that you think might help people as far as sales concerned if they are uh, not great at sales, where would you point them uh, to start the process of trying to build their confidence and get better at it? Uh, definitely every time you leave a job, uh, think about what you could have done different. I mean, I overanalyze everything. And when I leave a job, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about what I could do different. I tend to focus on the end of the sale where, where I either won it or lost it and try to go all the way back to the beginning and think about, you know, is there a different way that I could can, you know, a properly canned presentation, um, you know, 
a lot of times it's not what you did here at the very end. It's what you maybe could have done way back at the beginning um, to, to, to make those changes and see different results. Um, I think that you should, uh, obviously, if you get a chance and you can hear other guys' perspective, I've learned a lot from um, other guys. And then also, if you could teach new guys. Um, I love teaching new guys sales. Um, I think it sharpens me. Um, more than anything is when you're teaching a new guy how to do it because it actually uh, makes you have to think about why you're doing what you're doing um, if you're not already doing that but you should be thinking about why you're doing it and read books man there's there's so many things out there that you can learn from and people you can learn from um, out there that you can read books there's Sandler training there's there's so many books um, that have come from that kind of training I mean all kinds of stuff when friends influence people I mean there's a million things all right. And one thing I'd like to add is he mentioned earlier about people throw up in the garage and like, not literally, but uh, figuratively say too much, right? They, they have a tendency to just try to show off what they know, or they just start, they're uncomfortable. So they feel like they got to fill empty space with words. But my belief is you really should try to apply the 80, 20 rule and uh, do is ask as many questions, open-ended questions as possible. Or if they're closing the questions, you should already know the answer to the question before you ask it. Trying to warm people up with yeses uh, so that, and then if you get no's, that's okay. Um, because uh, I've been taught that it takes five no's to get a yes in a lot of cases. So uh, don't just accept the first no either and uh, be smart about it, but ask a lot of good questions and uh, maybe next episode we'll talk about what some of those questions are. Um, anything else you want to add? Iconic garage doors in Arizona. Watch out. They're about to be the biggest, baddest garage door company in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when people say they don't know, it means they don't know. K-N-O-W. They need more information. Keep grinding and ask again, and you'll get the sale. Most sales happen after the fifth time you ask for the sale. Yep. Awesome, bro. Listen, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, but, uh, what do you think of Garage Door U? Has it been helpful? It has. Yeah. If you guys aren't in that, jump in that. Definitely helpful. Um, you see different perspectives. They've brought up issues um, that I didn't even think were, you know, they kind of things to light that I maybe wouldn't have thought about. And, um, even just the fact that just to bounce stuff off of people um you know bounce ideas off of people is great you know um but yeah there's some i've gotten some really good nuggets out of there and uh it's definitely worth it so appreciate it thanks for having us on it you guys are interested in joining garage door you make sure you go to garagedoorU.com and apply and uh we'll reach out to you uh so thank you very much for coming on the show tamra great questions today thank you thank you appreciate you and i hope you guys enjoy if this helps close one extra cell make sure you post about it and tag me and sebastian on facebook so we know that there was some good that came out of it hope you guys have a great week